I uh, recently came off my sabbatical, as most of you know, as it was referred to, the 60-day disabled list. And uh, I am feeling much better now, thank you. Uh, and I promised that uh, I would share a bit about my time off. And uh, so, in one sense, maybe a little more autobiographical today, and I hope that you'll permit that. I understand there's a lot of, lot of situations in your life, so I hope there's a connection here that, uh, that you'll be able to make to your own story, and this isn't simply about my story. But prior to uh, my sabbatical, I announced to some of you my reasons for taking the sabbatical and, uh, in December and January, and clearly I was tired and cranky, as many could attest to, and uh, felt a ton, yeah, Jeremy, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, felt, felt a ton of grief. I think grief would be an okay word. And surrounding that, all the emotions of grief with loss in terms of who the congregation and, and people coming and going and just all the things that we're contending with in the sort of the COVID world of the church. In the midst of that, some of my own anger and discouragement, I'd have to say, and, and with that, a good deal of anxiety. And so I suspect that many of the things that I've relayed are all things that we could, <laughs> and, uh, in one way or form or fashion, and you may order it differently, but you felt a lot of those. My burden certainly wasn't in my family, and I recognize that some of you may be struggling in your own family. And in some ways, not really with COVID, not certainly with my own health, but, uh, and, and maybe uh, main, uh, to a great degree, I would say, the future of the Lord's church. And so I want to congratulate you and thank you for being here this morning, because it does feel like a semblance of the old, of the old and we're, we're returning, okay? And so that's a good thing. And maybe I would even say it deeper, and I would say the future of God's kingdom, or maybe God's kingdom in America. And that's a heavy burden. That's a heavy burden for anybody. And it certainly isn't mine alone to bear, and yet I feel it day in and day out. And you might say, well, Jeff, don't be so faithless to think that uh, God can't do it, and I want to trust Him with that. And I want to say, I hear you, but still. Or don't be so egotistical that thinks it, to think that it depends on you. And I said, yeah, I know, you're right, you're right. And then I go back to feeling many of the same things. And I know there are millions of people who are struggling that would trade my problems in a heartbeat, but as your minister and as a pastor here, and as one, you've asked me about what the sabbatical entailed. I just want to share a few things from that. I want to use this word, first of all, and I would describe it as rumination. And I might have used that definition before sometime in the past in terms of a sermon here. That is, uh, what are ruminating thoughts? That is, to have constant and repetitive thoughts about something typically a problem or a situation. 
And if I could go on uh, from that, maybe to describe it in another way, go ahead and put up the next slide. Let's think about it in terms of a cow, all right? That is, uh, this is what a cow does. It ruminates. Rumination or cud chewing is the process by which the cow regulates previously consumed feed and then chews it again and again. That's great for cows, but it's not so great for human beings. But I found myself ruminating over what seemed many times like intractable problems. And so I was felt frankly, much like this guy for many months of the last year, or last year or two. That is, as I get up in the morning, I think about work. As I'm driving to work, I think about work. When I get to work, I work. When I drive home, I think about work. When I get home, I think about work. When I'm not supposed to be thinking about work, I'm thinking about work. And I can't control myself. And if that isn't a bit of a problem, I did a series right before I went on my sabbatical called Jesus Gentle and Lowly, and the signature verse was, Come unto me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And I found that I could not obey my own preaching. My mind simply wouldn't allow the rest if only I could practice what I preached. So shortly before I started the sabbatical, the elders asked me to give a rundown on what I was going to do for that 60 days, and uh, I gave them a fairly detailed uh, game plan of what uh, I was anticipating doing while I was away. And number nine on my list of ten things was to spend more time in generative activities. That is doing things that I wouldn't normally do. In other words, right-brained activities for a left-brained person. So I flew to Florida to see my brother, and uh, we went out on the water to get some sunshine, to walk and run along the beach. And he's got a nice boat, and so we took the boat out into the gulf and the bay and went fishing, and so here I was, sun, sand, and sibling, two out of three ain't bad, you know what I'm saying. So I had an early flight out of here on, one, on that Sunday morning, and I got down there by 9 a.m., and the first thing he wanted to do was go to church. Oh, my. And so he's part of this big mega church down there. And uh, they got a mega building and a mega praise band and a mega pastor. And I, was into, I wasn't into anything mega. But there I was. And in that time 
there that on that particular Sunday morning, the, the pastor spoke from the book of Zechariah, and there was one verse that just touched me deeply. And the Scripture said this, so he said to me, and I'll give a little bit of the background in just a minute, but this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, or says the Lord of heaven's armies, as some translations say. You know what the background, the context of this passage in the book of Zechariah? It is the enormous and monumental and missional task of rebuilding the temple, the second temple. And Zerubbabel was the public leader in Jerusalem, and he had the responsibility to finish the work of rebuilding the temple, and the work had stalled, and it wasn't in a very good place. And Zerubbabel needed some encouragement to carry on the work, and so this message is delivered from God by an angel to Zechariah. And, it, and, and, and this rebuilding of the temple, you see, in the Old Testament is the Old Testament's way of describing what is to be done in God's kingdom, providing a place for these activities of worship, the center place in the thought of the Israelites. So back to this passage Verse 6, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord, not by my might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The interpreter suggests that not by, by might means strength or refers to collective, that is all of us together, or corporate strength. It's not even going to be by our corporate strength. We might think we need to come together as a church and as a team, but this passage is saying even that is not going to be adequate. Not by might nor by power is individual strength. In other words, you, Zerubbabel, or you, elder, or you, minister, or you ministry leader, not by your individual strength, but by my Spirit. So if we do a one-to-one application to this time in this church, Jeff, you're not going to do this rebuild post-COVID on your own, and church elders, you are not either It is going to be by my Spirit, says the Lord. Can I get an amen? So how do we live with this faith awareness? And I suppose that I spent a good part of my 60 days thinking about these things. Let me suggest just a few this morning. 
The first one is this, go fishing more often. You see, what I mean by that is do more generative activities, activities that exercise a different part of your brain. Maybe for you it's biking or hiking or karaoke or find time away and you don't have to go to the golf to go fishing, though that would be great. Even if you want to do it over in Tilly's Park, that would be great too. You see, other generative activities that I found during my time away, I uh, go ahead and put up the next slide if you don't mind. We were down in Memphis together and uh, met up with some friends down there, and then one of my friends that was there mentioned that one of the one of the women who was uh, a part of our church, one of the wonderful ladies when we were up in Connecticut, had moved down to Memphis, and she'd recently set She'd recently celebrated her 100th year birthday. And so we went and visited with Miss Arvilia Mack. Then we had, uh, while down in Memphis, go on the next slide, uh, Becky went to the Lorraine Motel and got to do the tour there where Dr. Martin Luther King was shot and to see that wonderful, wonderful civil rights museum. And so these are times generative, restorative activity. And yes, I found time over the course of this to spend time with the grandkids. And uh, it's just growing. It's a full-time job and some with another one on the way. So... I suggest rebalancing and finding those right brain, if you're a left brain, restorative mind and soul times. But that wasn't all I did. I also took time away in solitude and silence. And so I went to Perry Gabbard's cabin. And Perry and Penny were members here for, for many years, and he has a wonderful, wonderful cabin that is, that is set apart for exactly what I needed. And if you need it, he'll be happy to have you come out and use it as a place of solitude and quiet as well. And I was a little scared to do this all by myself because I was like, I don't know if I can last two hours out there alone. What is this going to be like? And I uh, took, actually took someone else along. It was actually a book. Uh, her, name, her name I took along was Ruth Haley Barton she, in, a, in a book called An Invitation to Solitude and Silence. And it was so, so wonderful because she was able to speak to what I was going through. And particularly in that time away, I don't know about you, but I suspect most of us are like me. You resist silence. You resist Really being alone, fully alone. I know some of you are saying, well, I'd really like some right now. <laughs> okay, I get that too, okay? But most of us, we have a few minutes, and we got to turn on the radio, we got to turn on the TV, we got to make a call, we got to text somebody, we got to look, we got to do, we, we, we're very uncomfortable. And I mean, it was not easy for me. 
and I had to strip through all of my resistances to being alone. Trying to get through my identities that wanted to prop up everything from I feel like a failure to my identities in terms of family, in terms of church, in terms of on and on it goes, to get to the point where God could say to me, you are my child, and that is enough. And that was not an easy process. Now, I also, during this time, and I would say number three in this point is, uh, after taking time for silence, is, is welcoming some skilled help. And I was in need of some help, some therapy, someone to listen and not judge. And the power of that is just enormous. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to uh, not have in those expectations in that time together, and that was tremendous. I guess what I'm trying to say is we all need relationship. We need one-to-one relationships, and I needed it to uh, in this time frame where at first I felt exhausted, and then for the first four weeks or so, and then a bit of turnaround in verses weeks five and six, and then by verse week seven and eight, hey, I think I could come back. But to slow down my mind and address the rumination and what I would say in some ways are these sort of unresolvable uh, problems and to bring my mind and my body and integrate them again. So I was doing some daily exercises in this and I was referencing and using a book called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and that believing with prayer and good relational help and good cognitive training that there is such a thing as the neuroplasticity of the brain. You know what that means? That means you really can teach an old dog new tricks. That means we can bounce back. That means there's all kinds of possibilities for our minds to grow and to be healthy if we'll allow God to work on us. Now, in the middle of all of that, I learned something new. And this may sound really silly to some of you, but for me, it was so fundamental, it's put me on a whole new chapter of my life. And that is learning to breathe. Learn to breathe. In fact, the therapist drew attention to my breathing and my sighing. And there were lots of them during COVID. And I would find that I was breathing shallow. And that, in fact, what was happening, and particularly what happens with a mask, but I would breathe, instead of through my nose, I was breathing through my mouth. 
And in fact, I think I've always breathed through my mouth, more or less, because of allergies and asthma as a kid. And, and with that, there are some kind of bad symptoms that set in, some bad health outcomes if you're a mouth breather. Now, I don't want to say a whole lot about this, a rather strange topic to some, right in this setting at this point, but if you would like to know more, and if anybody wants to go on this journey with me, I'd be happy to talk to you about this. But I would like to say this, kind of reframing my own awareness of my breathing. Do you know in the Old Testament, the word ruach means breath? It also means spirit. In the New Testament, the word pneuma means breath or air or wind or spirit. Now begin to think about that for just a minute with me. As we take in air, as we take, as we breathe, as we are alive to the energy around us, we are also alive to God. And so we have passages like Acts 17 and verse 25 that says, God is the one who gives life and what? Breath and everything else. In Him we live and move and have our very being. Or Psalm 150 and verse 6 that was read earlier by Laura, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so I've been practicing breath prayers like one of the ancient ones. Just aware of my breath and inhaling, Son of David. Have mercy on me as I exhale. Or Father God, I belong to you. I've had many, many more discoveries as I've begun to listen and read and listen to podcasts. And uh, again, I'd be happy to uh, embark on a journey in terms of thinking about our breathing. In fact, I'd like to do some classes, and uh, Dr. Susan Blaine of our congregation has indicated she would also like to, we'd like to, if, we, if some would appreciate some relaxation exercises that we could offer both to the congregation and to the community. We'd like to do that. Number five, and I've only got six here, we're almost finished, but that is surrounding yourself with wise voices. And particularly for me, it was sort of outside this network. Not that we don't have many wise ones within the network, we do, but there's something about getting that fresh voice from outside. And so being in Indianapolis with Dale Robinson and, uh, and talking with Jim Martin, the dean of Harding Graduate School down in Memphis, and... Uh, talking to Josh Kincaid in uh, Oklahoma City, who's a uh, part of the uh, Memorial Drive or Memorial Road Church. And along the way, Jim Martin, he, he, he referenced another book by Ruth Haley Barton. I just read the one on solitude and silence when I was at the cabin, but I wasn't familiar with this, with this other book that, that he'd mentioned. It was called The Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And I like that idea. 
In other words, the book isn't about plans and priorities and projects and procedures. It's about what's going on in your own soul. And here's a quote or two from her book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. It's subtitled, A Transformed Self. She said, the best thing that you, as the minister of your congregation, can give the church is a transformed self. Don't you all wish that for me? And she said it this way, the most important thing I can do as a leader today is to keep seeking God in the depths of my own soul no matter what it costs. Now, I know there are things that have to be done. I understand that. But as for me, if you'll allow me to do this, I believe Ruth Haley Barton is on to something. And finally, I want to suggest this. From the very beginning of the sabbatical to the end, I had to continue again and again, and will you help me with this as we move forward, to offer a prayer of surrender. In other words, morning, noon, and night to pray the serenity prayer. You see, all of this season prior to the sabbatical and the season of it led me to the serenity prayer. Prayer, and then now, as I have completed it, led me back to the serenity prayer or some form of it. And I'll, well, we have it on the slide here. You can see the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage. to change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the difference, to offer a prayer of surrender again and again and again. And this can come out in many different fashions. It might come out in your life by uh, praying the Lord's Prayer. It might come out in your life through a breath prayer. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. It might come out to say it another way and to bring all of this full circle. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Not by might, nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. 